This is the weekly sales meeting for the week of January 1st, 2023. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is 60-40. 30 years ago, I worked with a famous singer. Bernie Milton was an East Coast soul singer from Ithaca, New York. He had a following up and down the East Coast. I met him while I was studying to be in the broadcast business. I was in my second semester of the three and a half years I spent graduating from Ithaca College. Yes, I was a Stepford student. Bernie did a weekly radio show on the college radio station. I would see him every Friday morning. Bernie's biggest song was called 6040. You can find it on YouTube should you want to listen to it. But wait until we finish our time together today. 6040 is also the same way Bernie would greet you in the hallway. I would say, Bernie, how you doing today? He would always respond, 60-40, man, 60-40. He would shake his head left and right as he said it. But he would never define which side of the equation was good and which side was not so good. It was 60-40. One day I got curious and I asked him about it. I said, Bernie, is that good or bad? He turned and smiled ear to ear saying, uh-huh. Took me many years to understand that knowing smile and what it meant. At least what I thought it meant. It was an emotional control trigger. Bernie was born in 1942 and passed away in 2002 at the age of 60. He signed his first recording contract at 18. That was 1960, if you're doing the math. And he released several regional hits. He never had the big break, but he was famous enough in his own circles. He was a great performer with a big stage presence and was cool as a cucumber offstage. Today, when people ask me how I'm doing, I will respond with the Bernie Milton signature line. In doing so, I will get strange looks, but never that look of understanding that Bernie had. He knew some days you were on the plus side and other days on the minus, which is why he responded to me the way he did. But he did it in such a way as to not tip his hand as to which way that particular day was treating him. He left knowing what he knew and knowing he left you guessing. It was a non-emotional response. Some wear their emotions on their sleeve. You can tell what kind of day they are having by looking at them. Others are good at playing poker. You can't tell what they are feeling. This ability to not project your emotions into your process helps you be cool under pressure. This goes for the positive and the negative. It is a practice to be aware of the uneven balance of emotions. It is a discipline to check them. It is a regimen to direct them to help manage your process. Tony Robbins says the truth is we can learn to condition our minds, bodies, and emotions to link pain or pleasure to whatever we choose. By changing what we link pain and pleasure to, we will instantly change our behaviors. This includes changing what we don't assign an emotional trigger. Others can read our emotional responses. They can manipulate the outcome based on what they know about us, but only if we let them. Only if we lose control of our basic emotional response. Only if we run wide open, devoid of any emotional governor. And that leaves us open to manipulative attacks. They will come from those more skilled in managing emotions. Andy Warhol designed the Campbell Soup Can. He was a pop culture icon of the 1960s and famous for more than just 15 minutes. He said, during the 1960s, I think people forgot what emotions were supposed to be, and I don't think they ever remembered. We know how to be emotional, but rarely master the control of our emotional reactions. For many, including me, most reactions are outward. Anger, frustration, and delight are all expressive and immediate. Does it mean these immediate emotional responses are incorrect? 
It doesn't, but it does mean they are very personal, and because of the point of view, it can cloud judgment. It can lead us to make decisions that are gratifying in their immediacy, but detrimental in the grand scheme of things. They may give us a degree of satisfaction at the moment, but in retrospect may not have been the best choices for us. Part of that is the inability to practice managing our reactions. They happen in the moment, and we don't get to script the moment. This is a communication mechanism. In the broadcast business, you'd think we'd be very good at this act. But the truth is, we are as bad as every other business sector. We are human and oftentimes incapable of learning how to deal with our emotional selves. We can learn. To do so, we have to think through the possible outcomes and the possible reactions, write down and practice articulating our non-emotional responses. The business writer Jim Rohn is someone I use often as a reference. He wrote, take advantage of every opportunity to practice your communication skills so that when important occasions arise, you will have the gift, the style, the sharpness, the clarity, and the emotions to affect other people. What would happen if we prepared for potential situations rather than reacting to each one? I bet our outcomes will be better than 60-40. Emotions are the reactions we have at the moment in the moment. We don't control that. We auto-respond to it, almost like Pavlov's dog where the bell rings and we want cheese. It is a conditioned response triggered by an emotion. What about not triggering these emotional responses? Talk show host Gary Chapman is an expert in the five languages of love. He claims we can't determine our emotions, but we can choose our attitudes and actions. The way to control the shift or balance of response is through training and practice. It is why first responders and military personnel train in high-stress response tactics, so as to control emotional responses and make the best decisions under pressure. When we add stress to the equation, we always revert to our highest level of preparedness, the base element response. Without practice, we are usually bad at this habit. The more we do it and allow ourselves to think through the realities of the situation, the better we get at controlling our emotional responses. The end goal of the practice should be to deal with the situation in a rational manner, one where the decision, plus or minus, may impact us, but doesn't trigger an emotion to cloud our judgment. The English poet Felix Dennis once said, you have to persuade yourself that you absolutely don't care what happens. And if you don't care, you've won. I absolutely promise you in every serious negotiation, the man or woman who doesn't care is going to win. When we find ourselves attached to the outcome, we find ourselves making decisions detrimental to our long-term health. But when we are non-attached, we can revert to our highest level of preparedness and make the best decision possible. In the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0, Travis Bradbury wrote, Emotional intelligence is your ability to recognize and understand emotions in yourself and others and your ability to use this awareness to manage your behavior and relationships. It is not only your ability to recognize them, but your ability to harness the ones you need to guide your decision-making. Approach everything from even. Don't allow your emotions to enter into the process until you have made a decision. When you do this, you tend to make more rational decisions. When we allow our emotions to enter from the top, our decision-making becomes all emotion, and most of the logic goes out the window. It is okay to be emotional, but we must have balance. And the balance is almost never 50-50. It is more like what Bernie Milton would tell me. It is 60-40. Non-emotional may still only get us to 60-40.
My new book, You Can't Lead from the Back of the Room, Nor Should You, is now available on Audible as an audiobook download. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider downloading a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.